Our Father, we, we're so grateful for who you are. We're thankful that you are in heaven, Lord, that you are holy, that you are who you are, and, and you've made us who we are, and you've redeemed us to be just like you, Jesus. And God, I'm thankful today that we get the opportunity to gather together to hear from your word, to hear what your spirit is saying. And I pray, O oh Lord, that your word would pierce our hearts, that it would continue to come alive inside of us. Lord, that we would grow closer to you, we'd become more like you, and that we'd be able to share the truth and the hope that you bring to this world, Jesus. Lord, may you make us your hands and your feet, Lord, as we go wherever you lead us to go, as we do whatever you've called us to do, and Lord, as we would say whatever you've commanded us to say, Lord, all for the sake of growing your kingdom and building your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. God, we're thankful for your presence in our lives, provision in our lives, and we look forward to hearing from you now. In your name we pray, amen. Psalm 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I really enjoyed studying a few weeks ago for, for our message about the restoration and the refreshing that, that comes when, when the Lord is our shepherd. And I really appreciate David's, King David's posture of humility as he writes this. As, as all the ancient kings were known as shepherds of their people, David says, while I may be called to this high office, this, this high position of praise and high position of honor, he says, there is still a shepherd above me. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He says, you may look at me, Israel, as your king, as your God-anointed and appointed king, but the Lord is my shepherd. And I answer to him. And so as a nation, we in turn are going to answer to the Lord, and he will be our great shepherd. And of course, we get to the book of John, and Jesus tells us he is the good Shepherd, that there is none like him. But I really loved this, this idea of, of, of restoration, refreshment, revival for our soul. Um, indicted in the, including the return of vitality. And there's, there's a number of stories or references to this that you can find in Ruth chapter 4, 15, Proverbs 24, 13, and Lamentations 1, 19. Just some examples uh, reiterating this point that when the Lord is our shepherd, he brings us through times of refreshing. Now, this, this past week, uh, as we were away, it was no doubt a busy week because... Um, uh, we're just kind of go, go, go. But uh, what was refreshing was that uh, we had zero distractions in our family this week. Uh, we, had, we had zero interruptions. We, just, we could sleep in. We, could, we actually saw the kids sleep in. We got to do kind of whatever they wanted to do. We got to just be fully present with our kids, not interrupted by emails or phone calls or messages or text messages. I even turned off all the notifications on my phone so I didn't see any Facebook messages. I didn't see any emails, nothing of that sort. And uh, I tell you, it was a time of refreshing. 
And it's good to get away in those moments to just relax, re, re, the, whatever word you want to use, revive. Um, but here's, here's the point of Psalm 23. It's not telling us to go take a vacation, although I think you probably should if you're able to. The, the point of Psalm 23 is to say, in the midst of the craziness, in the midst of the beautiful, in the midst of, the, uh, of your life every day, the Lord will bring you a refreshing and if you find yourself constantly, constantly dragging your body through life, then I would suggest that you need to make a couple changes in your life. That there's some things that you need to shift around because while there may be seasons where we do have a burden and we do carry the burdens and maybe we're going through a season where, where things are busy and hard and difficult, I don't think the Lord meant for us to live our lives in that season in that way. That he actually came to bring us refreshing in the work that we do. He came to bring us refreshing and to bring us joy and, and pleasure and gladness in the everyday workings of our lives. And if you don't experience that in your life, then I'm going to encourage you, spend a little bit more time with the shepherd and the spirit will direct your next steps to help you discover what changes you might possibly need to make to find joy in your everyday, ordinary life. Now today we want to talk and continue on a little bit the paths that God leaves us in because our God is faithful. We sing about it, we talk about it, we say that our God is good, we sing that our God is great. And if God is so good and if God is so great and if God is so holy, should we not want to follow him on the paths that he leads? How many of us though, as much as we know in our heads, okay, God is good, we raise our hands, we sing the songs, and we believe that to be true, when it comes down to taking the next step, how many of us, though, when it really matters, go, I don't really want to go that way. I kind of want to go this way. Not that Patrick and Rachel are the path of the valley of the shadow of death, but they're going to be that example for us this morning. I want to walk towards Billy's Chili today, but you know what? I want to go this way. The Lord is leading me to hot dog lunch for Billy's Chili, but you know what? I don't really feel like doing that. I want to go my own way. Even though we know the Lord is good, we know the Lord is great, we know the Lord is holy, how many times do we just decide to take a step on our own path? Maybe we think we got a good idea. I was talking to uh, someone a few weeks ago, and they said, well, you know, I get good ideas, but then I learned there's also God ideas, and I really kind of liked that analogy, good ideas and God ideas. There's the God's way, the righteous path for his name's sake, the things that are holy, the things that are good, the things that are great, and then there's the things that we think are good ideas. Maybe they're not bad, but they're good ideas, but they're not God ideas. Just kind of hold on to that thought, and if that means something to you, hold on to it. If it means nothing to you, just let it in one ear, let it out the other. That's fine, too. That's just kind of free this morning. But the paths which God leads us on are, are, are faithful, and the paths that God leads us on are good, but how many know sometimes those paths are not always safe? Those paths aren't always comfortable. It doesn't mean he's going to put you in harm's way. It doesn't mean you're going to get destroyed or hurt or, or along the way, but it doesn't mean the path is going to be easy. It's not always one of comfort. It's not even one of, of, uh, of even pure joy or happiness. But it is one of righteousness. It is one of God's goodness. 
Um, I think we got a picture there, Chad. It's, uh, it's, it looks kind of like the desert. I'm going to throw this up. The next one, I think, right after. There you go. Can you guys see those lines on the screen? I've showed this picture a couple times. Um, so as, as David is talking about how the Lord is his shepherd, it says uh, in some translations, he leads us round the path of righteousness. Uh, now, as, as he's using this idea of shepherd and sheep, a shepherd would lead their sheep up the mountain to feed them. And these are the green pastures as well that we talked about a number of weeks ago. Um, but as a small four-legged animal that's kind of top-heavy, full of fluffy wool and all that, um, for them to come down the mountain, they can't just run straight down the hills. Anyone, maybe as a kid, you, you, you saw this big hill... And you just decided to run down it as fast as you possibly could. And in the process, you end up tripping and cartwheeling and somersaulting all the way down the hill. Anyone ever do that? Uh, a friend of ours, a principal, his son uh, was doing that. They were going to this beach. And this beach was a beautiful sand, but it was an incredibly steep incline. And then it was kind of just hit the water. And his son was just running full tilt, excited for the beach and the water. And lost his foot and kind of just went flying through the air down the hill, flat, face flat into the beautiful, cold, cold lake below. And luckily he was fine. He hurt a little bit, but he was instantly drenched, of course, in the water because he ran straight down this incline into the water. Now, of course, the difference would be to walk kind of zigzag, back and forth, back and forth, kind of like a switchback on a mountain. And that's exactly what they used to do with the sheep. They would walk them back and forth. They would lead them on the right paths so that they were safe and that they would be fed and they'd get to where they need to go. Um, if, a, if a sheep wandered off the path, lots of times it would get itself in danger, harm, or even death. And so much so, that is our situation today. We think, God, I want to take the shortcut. The way you have for me is too hard, it's too difficult, it's going to take me too long to get where I want to go. And yet the Lord says, this is the path that I've called you to take for a reason. Now, as, as followers of Jesus, we follow every minute, every hour, every day. And when we do this, he will lead us into the right paths. You say, how do we know which way to go? And that is the question we ask all the time. How do I know which way is God's way? And as we read examples of, of others in the Bible, as we read the stories and the life of Jesus Christ, we see which ways and which paths he chose to take. That is our guide. If you don't know which way to go, I would encourage you to ask the one who's leading you. And I would hope that the one who's leading you is Jesus and is the Holy Spirit. And if he seems a little bit silent, may I suggest you open this book and read through this particular book if you don't know which way to go. And if you don't know what book this is, this isn't some self-help, uh, get-rich-quick kind of book, although it talks a heck of a lot about money in here. Uh, it talks a lot about righteousness. It talks a lot about uh, restoration, redemption, grace, mercy. Uh, it will get your life going in the right direction. And if you don't know which way to go, I would suggest you take some time and you open the Bible and you begin to read and you will soon discover which way to go. And if you don't really know where to start, may I suggest if you're looking for some wisdom, head over to the middle of the Bible to the book of Proverbs, and it is full of wisdom. If you are having trouble reading the Bible, and you say, I don't know where to start, how do I get into that habit, or that pattern, or that routine, I would say go back to Proverbs, and you read one chapter of Proverbs every day. Why would you do that? Because there are 31 
Proverbs, which most months have how many, how many days in a month? 30 to 31, except for February, which means you can skip a couple chapters in the month of February if you really want to. And if you skip a chapter in the day, just move on to the next chapter for that day. If you don't know what day it is, look at a calendar and read the psalm for that day. If you put a bookmark in your Bible and you know what day it is, look in your Bible and you will know exactly what day it is. Simple formula, uh, basic instructions before leaving earth if you want to go with that silly, fun acronym of Bible. B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. All right, go back to my notes here. Uh, As we do that, we learn to follow in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When we hear his voice and we read his word, we will know which way to go. There's a moment before Jesus is crucified, before he ascends into heaven, and he's telling them all about, in the book of John, about the way that they're supposed to go. And he says, I'm going to my father's house, and he is, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And, and his disciples look up at Jesus, and he says, Master, how will we know how to get there? And Jesus tells them, you know the way to get there. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now today, we want to talk about the spirits leading in our lives. And so we've done all that. We've prayed. We know the voice of the Lord. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. We read the word regularly, and we still say, okay, Spirit, where do you want me to go? Physically, what's my next step? We want to be able to hear the voice of the Father. Uh, Elizabeth's going to sing a song a little bit later at the end, and we'll have a few moments to spend just listening to the voice of the Spirit, a moment that you're going to have just to, to reflect on your relationship with God, where you can just between you and him, surrounded by a group of family and friends, to say, Spirit, where are you leading me today? Where, where will you lead me that my trust is without borders, where I'm not going to put limitations on the, on the destination of my life? God, where do you want me to go? Now, I believe as we follow every minute, every day, every hour, we will do his will, and he will lead us into right paths. Now, I remember watching uh, a documentary um, probably a year or two ago, maybe actually maybe it was longer than that because I think it was like the middle of the pandemic, kind of like the first lockdown and everything was really exciting because we'd never done that before. And um, there was a, a documentary that came on. Actually, there was two. There was, the, there was the dramatization of the first astronauts to, uh, to go into space, first American ones, called The Right Stuff. And then they came out with The Real Right Stuff, which is about the actual documentary. And I remember watching through this sh- the, the shows and course the the dramatic one is a little bit more interesting and and uh, if you like to be entertained kind of thing and if you want more of the truth and facts you watch the actual documentary but I don't know about if if you know this you can't just send anybody up to space and expect positive results like if if NASA called me or SpaceX or like um what's the guy's name that has Tesla uh, that sends rockets up. Uh, Elon Musk, if he called me up and said, hey, Gary, you want to go to space and work on the International Spaceship or work on my rocket? I would have no clue what to do. I would really be praying, spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. I have no idea what I'm doing. I will probably just blow this thing up. Um, I am not qualified as an astronaut. Uh, I'm not qualified to go to space. But if I wanted to be qualified, I would have to, to do the right school. I'd have to do the right things. I would have to have the right stuff in order to go to space. Uh, I would have to go through a rigorous amounts of testing. I'd have to get into wicked physical shape, which would be a long 
painful journey, I'm sure, not impossible, uh, I would have to go back to school and learn all about science, of course, and that was never my, my strong suit. I was never much, I mean, science was interesting, but I was never that interested in it. Um, I'd have to learn all kinds of new math. I don't mind numbers. I don't mind learning some of that stuff, but I'd have to go and learn it all again to go to space. As it stands right now, I do not have the right stuff to go to space. Unless the rapture happens and the Lord calls me home and I see it on the way by, I am not called to go to space or ready to go to space in this moment. But I would like to think that when the Spirit says, Gary, it's time for you to move, it's time for you to take a step of faith, that I will know that I am ready because the Spirit has called me and has made me ready. I will know that I'm ready because I've heard the voice of the Lord, because I've read his word, and I know what God's voice sounds like. I will know when I get that feeling in my stomach in the middle of the night when it's the Spirit calling me to get up and spend some time with him because he's got some things he wants to say versus when it's not the Spirit of the Lord speaking to me. I will know the difference because I think, and I think I'm qualified to say this because I am a pastor. Paper on the wall means nothing if you're not called. But I think I know what I'm talking about this morning when I know what it means to hear the voice of the Lord. Now, he's not telling me to go, just so you know. Um, as much as Florida sounds great, I don't know if he's called me to Florida, at least not yet. So I'm not going anywhere. This isn't a resignation message. Putting your heart at ease. Just putting that out there. But I know what the voice of the Lord sounds like. And I know that if the Spirit says that I'm ready and the Spirit says that it's time to go, that I can go and that I will have everything that I need. I will not lack anything. That the way that he has for me is good. When he says to our church, this is the way that you ought to go, I believe the Spirit has given me as your pastor discernment. So when one of you crazy people come up with some crazy out there idea and I go, that's not of the Lord, I know because the Spirit has given me the gift of discernment. But when some of you come and say, I really think the Lord is pushing us in this direction, I can go, yeah, I, I, would, I receive that. I hear the Lord saying that same thing. You are right, let's go. Or maybe the Lord is calling you to do something in our church and be a part of what the church is doing. And, and I can go, yeah, you've heard from the Lord. I can hear from the Lord now too and confirm that you've heard from the Lord. This is what we ought to do. We follow every minute, every hour, every day. When we do this, he will lead us into right paths here. I talked about walking in circles and literally walking around the mountain. And if you go into some of the Hebrew words in Psalm 23, it's the same word used to describe someone walking in circles, just like the picture you see here on this mountain. Literally walking in circles around the mountain. If you ever feel like your walk with God is going nowhere, like you're walking in circles, you probably are. And you say, God, how come I'm still walking in circles? How come I'm still the same place that I was X number of months, weeks, days, years ago? Why am I still here? Well, maybe the Lord just says you're not ready yet. Maybe you haven't learned the lesson yet. Maybe you haven't taken that next step of faith where you actually have to go up a level to, to get to the top or, or down a level to get to the bottom. Now, I think what's amazing about these pictures is that these trails are likely thousands of years old from, from, from decades and decades of shepherds taking their sheep back and forth on this mountain. They've, they've carved out these trails over so much time. And this is what I, what I look and I get excited about this is that some of us in this room, we have followed Jesus a long time. Our church has been established in this community since 1975. Uh, we know the way to the Father. 
We have blazed a trail. Those who have gone before us have made a way. And for some of you who have served Jesus for a long time and have been in this community a long time, you have literally made a path for others to follow. You have established patterns and and routines to help others on their faith journey as well. And it's simply a matter of taking them by the hand and say, hey, follow me as I follow Jesus, as I follow the good shepherd. And some of us, we get to look at you and say, okay, you've gone through this before. Take my hand and help me through this particular moment and situation. God has given us everything that we need because Jesus is our good shepherd and we lack nothing. And he leads us through paths of righteousness. Paths of righteousness, the right way to go. Now, I don't know, if you've ever stood at one of our gas stations, whether it's been the Esso or or the Canco up here, has anyone ever asked you for directions? And what did you tell them, Frank? Left or right? You going east or you going west? Right? Because where we live, there's only two ways to go if you want to leave Terrace Bay, unless you're going by boat or helicopter, or if you're going to land a plane on the golf course again. There's only two ways you can drive out of Terrace, well, I guess three if you include the back road. But it's either left or it's, or, it's, or it's right. I guess this is my right. It's either east or it's west when you get to the highway. There's no getting lost. Any tourist that says, I don't know which way is east or west, probably shouldn't be driving on the roads. If they want to go to Nipigon, which way do you tell them to go? West. If they want to go to Marathon or Toronto, which way do you tell them to go? Drive east. And when do you stop driving east? Once you get there. It's, it's that easy. That is the right way to go. It's not that hard. Left or right. But how many know life is not quite that simple? <laughs> Sometimes the path isn't quite as obvious. There can be many paths that we can take. Uh, We tell this all the time to students in high school and elementary schools. Culture and media say this all the time, that if you just believe in yourself, uh, you can can do whatever it is you want to do. Whatever you feel like you're called to and made to do, you can do. And and generally speaking, we endorse the same idea, but we we add the God card into that. We actually add the spirit factor into that and say, what is the spirit calling you to do? What do you think God has called you to do with your life? It's not about looking inside yourself or, or overcoming yourself, but actually following the voice of the Spirit. Um, because we all have a voice inside of our head. Sometimes it's us, sometimes it's God, and sometimes it's the enemy. Um, and they all have something that they think is important to say. But there's only one voice we need to listen to, and that is, of course, the voice of the Spirit. But we tell people all the time, look inside yourself, listen to your heart. I hate this expression so much. Listen to your heart. Now, we, we hear about that a lot in relationships, right? I don't know if I should marry him. What does your heart say, honey? The heart can be quite deceitful sometimes. And then, of course, we come up with expressions, the heart wants what the heart wants. We do this all the time, right? We make decisions. Well, you better double check what's in your heart before you listen to it. All right, you, better, you better be very careful to know what are the things that you have put into your ways. What are the voices you're listening to in your head that are affecting the feelings that you have in your heart? I tell you what, if, I, if, I am, if I'm having a, a quiet, down, boring, procrastination kind of a day and I want to go on vacation, 
all I have to do is go online and look up Walt Disney World or, or Florida, right? And I could easily say to myself, I can convince myself, I need a vacation, right? You see an advertisement on Facebook or an advertisement on TV. It says, uh, you know, maybe it's not a vacation for you. Maybe it's like, I need a new truck. I need a new car because the ad told me that it's time. Everyone else is doing it. Financially, it might not make sense, but everyone's doing it, so I should do that too. We, we listen to these thoughts and these ideas all the time, uh, and, and we do these things without borders or boundaries. Uh, and so here's, here's where we're going today. If, if you want to stay on the right path, you have to put up some boundaries and some barriers in your life. You say, boundaries, doesn't that restrict us? No, actually, boundaries set us free, believe it or not. I know it sounds a little bit crazy that true freedom actually comes with boundaries. And I was listening to a podcast a few months ago, and um, it's, a, it's a leadership podcast. And it talks about, you know, you're in, a, you're in a meeting and you're coming up with a creative solution to a problem. And he says, when someone says, maybe we just need to think outside of the box for a while. Now, there are moments where you can dream and there is no box. I'm with you there. I love that. I'm, uh, you know, we can get creative. I, I'm totally there. But when you're into the problem solving of a solution, you have to think inside the box because the box is the only thing you have to work with. And actually, the box provides far more creativity than if the box never existed at all because you have a finite amount of resources to accomplish your goal or to solve the problem. And so boundaries actually bring us freedom. They actually bring us an amazing amount of creativity. It's actually within the confines of those boundaries that we will actually have to go, hey, God, I have no idea how to solve this problem. I have no idea what this next step is. Here are the parameters. Here's the situation. If you don't intervene, God, then I don't know what the next step is. The boundaries actually give us true Freedom, it puts us in a position where we have to trust God, where there is no way out except by following the voice of the Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about not studying for the test and getting into the exam room and going, oh, please, God, help me pass. That's, that's just foolishness. But when the lights are off and it clearly goes, God, I have no idea which way to go. I need you to rescue me. God, I know that you are good, and I am choosing to trust you. I believe that following God and following his ways of righteousness are absolutely a choice that we are given. It's a choice that Adam and Eve were given in the Garden of Eden. God said to them, if you trust me, you can go anywhere that you want. He says, if you can, if you can resist the temptation of this one tree, you could go anywhere that you want. You have the freedom to roam. You have the freedom to... Have control. You have the freedom to do whatever it is that you want to do. They were given that choice. Their path was wide. It was long. It was far. They had it all. It's interesting. When you get to the New Testament, we discover that the path to the kingdom of heaven and the path to God is narrow. It's so narrow that we need a shepherd to guide us along so we do not plummet headfirst down the mountain. We need the Holy Spirit to come alive inside of us to influence our decisions. We need to create these boundaries and these systems where we can follow and hear the voice of God. Now, if, you maybe, if you've ever heard of a fence law, this is something the Pharisees used quite a bit. I'm not talking about fence laws because sometimes what happens is we put up barriers in place we put up fences, as, you, as they were, in place to keep us from going a certain way, but sometimes they actually become restrictive to what God actually wants us to do. And so here's, 
Here's an example that the Pharisees would often have these fence laws, that they would be laws that they would put in place so you would not break the law. So we got the kids learning about the Ten Commandments. And so here's, here's the parameters of the Ten Commandments. Well, I can almost kill my neighbor, but I shouldn't kill them. Right? And so I'm going to put in a law that prevents me from almost killing my neighbor so I don't cross the line and kill them. Now, I can give you a really good example of, of a fence law here, and I do this all the time, and I experienced it yesterday firsthand, right? We were driving home, highway was closed, highways open, bam, accidents, highway closed. Now, fence laws can be good things, and what am I talking about? I'm talking about those little white lines on the highway. When the, the big yellow sign in front of you that says, lane ends in 300 meters, what should you do? You should prepare to merge into the next lane. If there is someone coming up behind you and you want to merge into that lane, what should you do? If they're coming way too fast, you should just slow down and wait. If they're going way too slow, put on your signal light and go. What happens when we ignore the sign and the little white lines on the road? Three transport trucks try to hit the same one lane at the same time and it holds everybody up for three hours on the highway because they ignore the rules of the road. They know that that's the right way to go. They just have no idea how to get there. And so we have to put in things in place in our lives. We know the way to go, but we have to put up boundaries to make sure that we go the way that God is calling us to go. But we also have to be careful that those things don't get in the way of us going where God wants us to go. Behind my house, there's a, we, have a, we have a fence and when we bought the house, we were going through the deed and the, the lot survey and everything. We found out as we're in this process that where our fence is in our yard is actually not the end of our property. In fact, our property extends a number of feet behind the fence. But as we also learned, we're not allowed to build anything, park anything, or keep anything long-term or permanent in that space because there's an easement due to the fact that there's some hydro lines and I think even some water and sewer lines behind the house. And if we were to build into that space, we would create problems. We would create danger for ourselves and dangers for the utility companies that are there. Um, if we were to plant, well, actually, there are some trees there. We didn't plant them, but there's some trees there. But if they don't get maintained, um, or if hydro doesn't maintain them, or whoever, however that would work, then there's going to be problems. Um, but the fence, even though it's not our property line, it actually helps keep our kids safe. It helps keep us safe. It keeps people from just wandering into our yard. And it's, it's amazing that there would be some people that, that would and have. I was talking to our neighbors when we first moved in. They said there was some hitchhikers on the highway. They decided just to camp out one time in their backyard. Like they woke up in the morning and there was tents there along. They're like, what are you doing? Like, why are you in our yard camping? Um, I had some literal gypsies try to sell me fake gold behind my house. And I'm like, I am so thankful. I was literally, I'm wearing my like scrubby work pants or shorts and work shirt. I have nothing on me. I'm cutting my grass. And this guy shows up and he's trying to sell me this gold. He says, here, just, just show me your wallet and your money. It's like, I don't even have my wallet on me. And he's trying to sell me this fake gold. And I'm thankful for the fence, even though, you know, my property extends beyond. It's a boundary that keeps us safe. When we're playing with a ball or a toy, it keeps the toys from wandering on the highway, down the hill. And if it wasn't there, 
I know for sure that at least one of my kids would run out into the street after it and not care at all about the fact that there's cars and traffic and hydro lines and everything else that's there. The boundary helps protect, uh, helps us follow the laws that do exist even in our community. Now, our lives, as I mentioned, offer all kinds of different paths and directions. It can be difficult to know which way to go. And maybe you're wondering today, what is the right next step for my life? A few weeks ago, we talked about Sabbath and rest, a holy time with God, time that is set apart. It's usually in these moments of closeness with God that we get our marching orders. It's these moments alone that we say, okay, God, what is the next step? Where are we going? And... As we read through the Psalms, we actually discover that God is a God who wants to relate to us in a way that we understand. And so, here's a couple of examples. Um, we see that the Lord is a strong tower. The Lord is a refuge. Okay, I'm in danger. Where do I want to go? I want to go to a place of safety. I'm going to go to a place of refuge. There's a, there's a huge winter storm that just came through. Do I want to stand out in the blizzard or do I want to go into a place of safety? No, I'm going to go into my house. Right? It's a place of refuge. God can really say, so the Lord is my strong tower. The Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my rock. We read in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. All of these provide solid, tangible examples, not just an abstract thought or truth, Yes, God is love, God is merciful, he is generous, but these can be intangible at times. And so it's not just about imagery and experience because we don't determine who God is based on our experience, but because of who God is and God does what God does to relate to us in our experiences. I think it's important for us to realize it's not our thoughts who shape who God is. Our experiences don't shape who God is. Rather, God uses our thoughts and our experiences to come to us in a way that we can understand and relate to him. If you're lost in the bush, maybe you're out ice fishing with Frank and you get lost. There's a snowstorm and the trail's gone. Well, Frank knows everywhere to go. Maybe you're in the bush with me and we get lost and you don't know where to go. And you find some cabin, someone that's just, you know, abandoned it. And you think, finally, a place of safety. We could say that God is our cabin in the bush when we're lost. It's a way that we can relate to God. When we're wandering in the deserts, in the wilderness, in our lives, we call out to God to lead us and he save us, and he does. He absolutely does. When we don't know what decision to make, he makes the way clear to us. And I think many times it's more obvious than we think, and many times we choose to look the other way and refuse to see the path. We take time to listen to his voice. We follow now, we know that sheep are not the most intelligent animals on their own. In fact, they even have their moments of rebellion. But one thing that sheep are trained to do from the very beginning of their life is to listen to the voice of the shepherd. So that when the shepherd speaks and leads them, they know which way to go. So that when the sheep is lost and the shepherd comes looking for the sheep and they hear the shepherd's voice, they know that it's a voice that they can trust that they can come out of their place of hiding and come to the good shepherd. Now, if you are one of the lost sheep today and you don't know which way to go, know that as Jesus calls you, he doesn't take you to a place of shame. He doesn't take you to a place where he condemns you, but he actually brings you to a place of peace and redemption and mercy. When you get to know his voice, we know that this is a safe place to be.
When Elizabeth and I started dating, we, um, we started dating because she told me her hand was cold, and so I picked up her hand and I held it for an extended period of time, and that's how we started dating. I am not one I've learned. If you want to show me love, just tell me that you love me and why. I don't need a hug. I don't need you to shake my hand. I don't need you to hold my hand. My wife is the opposite. She likes to be close and cuddle. I don't. But when we were dating, we learned that we liked each other and we held hands while we were dating. And shortly before we got married, they thought it would be fun. As she came up to see Lookout, um, they did a little kind of pre-wedding party for us at the church. And they did this little game. They blindfolded us. And then everyone lined up and we had to shake everybody's hand. And we had to guess each other's hand. And so when she walked by, or when I thought it was her, I had to take off the blindfold and say, this is Elizabeth. Now, we were professional handholders by this time. Even though we had a long-distance relationship, we were professional handholders. And so to everyone's amazement and surprise, as everyone's hand shook my hand, I knew the moment her hand touched mine. I took off the blindfold and gave her this great big kiss really quickly. People were shocked that I got it right. Do you remember that? Is that true? Yeah, see, I'm not lying. I know my wife's... What's that? I was not, how would I cheat? How would I know? It was right hand. It wasn't the left hand ring, so I couldn't even do that. But good, good thinking over there. The point is we knew, we knew each other's hand. We knew what it felt like. I knew what it felt like for my hand to be in her hand, just like the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. Elizabeth's going to come. She's going to lead us in this song as we leave today. But would you take a few minutes today and ask yourself, do I know when God speaks and do I know his voice? Do I know when God speaks, do I know his voice? You know, when Saul, this, is, this was amazing to me. I was reading through this the other day in my devotion life. When Saul was anointed king, he don't think he really saw it coming uh, you can read the story in, in, in 1 Samuel, but in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 10, 67, this is what it says. It says, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you. This is Samuel talking to Saul. You will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs come to you that you do, do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. This is, uh, if you want some fascinating reading, I would say go ahead and read this entire chapter as Saul is anointed to become king. But I love this moment. The spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them, with them referring to the prophets that are going to be there. And you will be turned into another man. If you are unsure if God has ever done something in your life, if you are unsure if God has ever spoken to you, if you ever heard the voice of God, if you followed God in your life, I, I always come back to look at the fruit. Has God ever changed something in your life? And if you would look at your life and say, God, you've never changed a thing, it's probably not God's fault. It's probably not God's fault that nothing's changed in your life. But in our moments, in our journey, as we, as we move forward in our faith, and we get to another point of struggle in our identity, God, am I really yours? Am I really following you? All we have to do is look back at the trail behind us, like this mountain, 
And you say, okay, remember that part where I was stuck right about there? See that little white line? I was stuck there and God got me through that. Something in my life changed at that point. I was able to go where I wasn't able to go. Yeah, God's with me. And God will be with me in this next step. It's the beautiful thing about walking with the shepherd and walking on this journey of faith. As we start to create a history with God. I know what my wife's hand feels like. At that time, I knew what my fiancé's hand felt like. I know what the voice of the Lord sounds like because he's spoken to me before and I followed before. So I can follow in those footsteps again. Or in the moments where I'm sure I can look ahead, I can look at somebody else that I trust. I can look at my pastors. I can look at my leaders. Which way do I go? What is the Lord saying? And they coach me and they help me. And so we can look around the room and say, okay, well, I don't know which way to go. Let me look at Tracy. Let me look, look at Frank. Let me look at Patrick or Rachel or Bill. They've, they've maybe gone through this. I could, I could call on them. They could help me make the right choice. Notice I didn't say you could follow me. You could. But the point is, is that it's not about me. It's about us as the church family. You, you can play the song now. I was just waiting for you to start playing, so I just kept talking. And so this song, if you've never heard it, it's all about Peter walking on water. And quite literally, Jesus feeds 5,000 men, women, and children. Well, actually, 5,000 men plus women and children. Crazy, amazing day of ministry. The disciples get into the boat, and he sends them off. And as they go, the storm and the waves pick up and it pushes the boat farther and farther out into the sea. And by the time Jesus sends off the crowd and is ready to get in the boat, the boat is long gone. And Jesus looks at it, no problem. I know that we want to get to the other side of that lake. That that is where the Father has called us to go and we're going to go there. And Jesus says, no boat, no problem. And he begins to walk on the water. As he begins to walk, he had to walk incredibly fast, I would imagine, to catch up to the disciples in the boat. He walks across the water, and the disciples, they see him, and they call him, and they say, clearly this must be a ghost. Finally, one of them looks out and says, that's not a ghost. That's our master. That's our savior. That's Jesus. And Peter, he calls out, and Jesus calls out to Peter, and he says, come out with me. Peter, being a fisherman, of course, no stranger to water, apparently can't swim, jumps over the side of the boat, and he begins to walk on water. And he walks straight towards where Jesus is. In that moment, it didn't matter how strong the wind was blowing, it didn't matter how big the waves were getting, his eyes were on Jesus. He had enough faith to walk where God was leading him to go. He knew he, without question, without a shadow of a doubt, this was the Jesus that he had been following. And he could trust him because he was good. And suddenly this wave crashes and Peter takes his eyes off Jesus and he looks at the wave. And in that moment, his faith is overcome with fear. Takes his eyes off Jesus and he begins to sink. I would be lying if I said I've never taken my eyes off Jesus a time or two. But remember, he's the good shepherd. And in the moments where I've taken my eyes and I've taken the wrong step, Jesus comes just like he did with Peter and he pulls him out of the water and he rescues him. See, sometimes we're going to take the wrong step. 
We're going to get distracted. There's going to be a moment where we're going to have to make a choice based out of fear or based out of faith. And we're going to have to move forward in faith if we want to move forward at all. But sometimes we take the misstep. We say, okay, God, now I'm really in a bind. I need you. And he's faithful and he's just to forgive us. He's faithful and just to pull us up and put us on the right path again. And so as we hear this song this morning, as, as we wrap up today, spend some time with the Father and say, okay, God, what's my next step of faith? Do I got to keep going the way that I'm going? If so, great. Just keep me going on the right path, God. But God, if you have a new step for me to take, maybe I've been going the wrong way for too long, God, and I need to get on the right path. Spirit, lead me. Or maybe you're just in a new season and God's ready to do something new. Something exciting, something terrifying. So you got spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Just like Peter got out of the boat. Give me the faith that he had in that moment. Not the moment of his failure, but the faith he had in the moment to walk on water.